You're listening to the Captain Groomer Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to podcast episode 12. As always, our lovely Lauren Bruin. Did you get enough coffee, babe? It's it's working its way in, yeah. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Our guest today is the one and only, an actual goat, the one and only Colin. Hey, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> Excited to be back in Seattle here. Dude, yeah, it's awesome to have you back. Colin Lowry. My friends and I always just like, you have the same last name as Bad Boys. Yeah, you know, yeah. My dad's name is Mike Lowry, actually. Are you serious? So like, whoever my first kid is, or first son, I should say, like, I have the name of Mike Lowry. Dude, that is the best There's no way. way to start. Yeah, whoever whoever girl that's going to be with, I'm like, you got to understand this. Like, whatever it takes, whatever I need to like do or give you, it's fine. But you got to let me have this one. <laughs> And like, yeah, this kid's gonna like grow up and finally, I don't know, maybe like age eight's appropriate to watch, you know, bad boys, but like he's gonna watch and be like, I love my name. You know? Oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. He's been driving around in Porsches and Ferraris. Hey, like, Come gotta, on, Dad. You gotta have goals. You yeah. Know? Goals and dreams. Yeah. Dude, you have quite the background, uh, whether it's from business, growing up here in the Northwest, but like of all time, you are the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Everybody has always given you high remarks. Every time I've met, I mean, the first time I met you was what on Dave's yacht. Yeah, yeah, see <laughs> so, fair. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to meet somebody. I was just gonna ask, like, when did you guys meet? How did you meet? Obviously, you just shared, but how long ago was that? Yeah, oh, man, I, I think it was like 2015. I want to say, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, we were going out for. Yeah, it was Seafair because yeah. you had you had both yachts. Yeah, and I was captaining the. Yeah, the sixty, yeah. the sixty ocean that you had, and then um, Dave had his yacht out for like because you guys had a huge crew. Yeah, that was so massive. Seafair is by far like the best thing about Seattle, and so it's not hard to get people out, and everyone wants to keep coming and coming. But you know, these people put limits on these boats. I don't know why. I mean, I, I'm saying stack, <laughs> stack it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just by far the best thing to get people together for, and it's just my favorite day. Like probably. By far, like my favorite day of the year. It's like Fourth of July mm-hmm. and like beautiful weather and like you know you gotta hope that Seattle's gonna bring the good weather that day. But uh, yeah, it's just the best day of the year. Oh yeah, well it did this last year. Yeah, dude, it was money. That was this my favorite one. Was yeah, unreal. The air show was great. Air show is always the best. But like a full weekend on the lake. Like everybody knows about the lake life up here. You have been a huge part of it. I know you've experienced it a lot more now. Mm-hmm kind of break that down growing up you know in the northwest just like going to school what you were into and like what's that's kind of brought up yeah to where you at now yeah i think like you know for everybody you know i feel like i'm the most like washington dude because like <laughs> i grew up south of seattle in federal way oh. probably until about eighth grade and like everyone they call it you know the fed <laughs> and it comes gang. across as like ghetto and like gang gang. It kind of is now. Like you yeah. hear like crazy like you know shootings and whatnot, but it wasn't like that bad. I feel like growing up and like kind of started getting bad. I feel like and we just like randomly you know moved the Puyallup. So like my parents like made me go to uh, private school. Mm-hmm. So I always like you know was going to school in Puyallup. But I lived in Federal Way. Mm-hmm. We finally were like we're just going to move to Puyallup, and so yeah, like living you know down south for a long time. And then went to school in Eastern Washington, and so. Then moved back and uh, lived in Seattle, worked up in Everett at Boeing, which we'll get into. But it's just, I've been all over Washington, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so funny because, you know, for everybody now, I live in Austin, Texas. And like people, when they think of Seattle, they think of like what you think of Seattle. But then realize Washington State is like 
one of the biggest producers of cherries. I think it's the biggest producer yeah. or exporter of cherries in the world. Yeah. Same with apples, like big agricultural scene. And people don't even like understand that, you know, yeah. and like Piaf's like lifted trucks, like very like <laughs> Texas feel almost. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, Seattle's like this small representation, you know, of what Washington is. But yeah. But like, you know, in terms of growing up, I mean, when I was like in elementary school, we go out on our uh, friend's boat on like Washington and it was like my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. But then like, you know, just, you know, my family didn't have a boat. and It was always my dream mm-hmm. to like get a boat and everything. I think, you know, growing up and not, you know, being uber wealthy and not having the means to do a lot of things, it makes you like just have these goals at a mm-hmm. young age and you're like, what do I got to do to get there? Because mom and dad aren't going to get there for me. Yep. Yep. And like, you know, you hear like, uh, like, like Bill Gates said this one time, like he like feels bad for his kids because like they grew up wealthy mm. and like they're never going to have. And, and Bill Gates is actually like pretty wealthy. His dad was like a lawyer and whatnot. I went to yeah. school. But the general concept is, you know, if you're born in a wealth, you're never going to like have what someone's drive is that like wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something I look back on. I'm just like so happy, you know, I grew up the way I did because at a young age, I was like, I know I need to go make money. And like, mm-hmm. I got to figure that out. And like the journey, like through that whole thing is like, like there was like times where I was like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen. Yeah. But it's about like every day waking up and being like, you know, what can I do today to make it better? And then that, that's like compounding interest. There's like compounds over time. And like one day you wake up and you're like, dude, how did I even get here? <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, it's always a goal. You know, you always got to make yourself better, you know, every day, every year. Goes by quick. Yeah. It goes by really quick. I mean, we just did New Year's Eve and January just blasted by. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I didn't, did you kind of blink and you're like, we're in February. Well, man, you know, <laughs> I, I started this new job, man. And like, you know, I just took a call right before this and I'm like, we're building. So now I'm at Advanced Micro Devices, AMD, um, you know, leader in the uh, CPU industry. Uh, for you that don't, don't know what that is, it's basically the brain of a computer or server. And we're just building this sales program right now. And I've been working like long hours and hoping there's an end to those long hours <laughs> after a year. But it's, it's like that. It's like it's going to be a year. I signed up for this like challenge and it's going to be a year of just like, you know, sweat and blood, you know, to get mm-hmm. there. But yeah, to answer a question, like January did blow by, but I'm almost like right now I want months to blow by because mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just like, all right, you know, to my company and, and my partners and everything like. I just need a little bit of time to get this going. And I'm excited to get to the point when it, when it is going. But like, you know, everyone's like, all right, when are we going to start like, you know, seeing the results from this? And so I kind of want time to blow by right now, I guess is my answer. But yeah, it, it has been blown by. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, real quick that you went to private school um, yeah. down south and you've been like all over the state. Um, but what is it that you studied? Like, where did you kind of go from how you grew up and just being like that mentality of, I need to do this to get to that. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first off, I was a terrible student. Like I was like 2.9 in uh, high school and college. And I just like didn't know how to study. Like I look back and like I know the moment where I like realized I needed to like get my shit together. My my back was against the wall. But like, you know, I went to college to do psychology i was like there and i was like i don't want to go to school for like seven total years even though i ended up doing that anyways which is kind of funny (laughs) but yeah like i like went to do psychology i was in a class and i was like this is cool but like i don't know how this is gonna like you know bring me the life that i want to live so i quickly switched to business and um you know i think uh my first quarter my sophomore year 
I had like a 1.8 GPA that quarter. Damn. Like not good. Like oh, failing, no. failing. <laughs> and I was like walking back to class. I think my parents were obviously not really happy, but they weren't putting too much pressure on me in college release. Like, you know, but uh, I was, again, it's just all about me, right? I'm walking back from class. I'm like, dude, if you're going to make it like today, you have to like turn it around. I went back to my room and like, did the math on like what GPA is going to have to get because you have a, like a 2.75 to get in the business uh, program. And I don't even know what I had at the time, but uh, I like it, you know, print straight A's and I could get one B plus in the next like four quarters. And like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, that pressure, like, you know, people like talk about like anxiety and pressure, like it's a bad thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like that's what you got to use it to your advantage. And that's what makes you, basically like get it done. Like it puts you in the uh, position of like, all right, I know what I need to do and I'm going to like have all this energy. Like that's what it is. It's like too much energy, mm-hmm. but you got to focus it on like, you know, what is a task that's going to make me successful. And so, yeah, I just like, I literally got that straight A's and one B plus in this hard finance class. I remember this like professor was like, why are you so worried? Like you're like, getting pretty good grades here. I'm like, no dude, I, I need an A. And I remember I, I got like to the dime, like, uh, like the the grade I needed mm-hmm. and I got in I was like oh my god I think I got like you know pretty much A's the rest of the college but I graduated like a 2.9 like that's how bad <laughs> my GPA was leading up to that but like then that moment just like made me realize like I can do so much more like once you like mm-hmm. as a younger person like realize okay I accomplished one thing I can accomplish something bigger mm-hmm. and I went I was like uh, on the um, student council at Eastern and you got paid for it. Like it's basically a full ride scholarship. Like they gave you like money every quarter for your books and your lodging. I was like, dude, this is the sweetest job. And you That's ran like, like these like student council boards. So you kind of got like experience on how to run a meeting and mm-hmm. how to do a budget. You like allocate like, like a $1.6 million budget. Um, but yeah, like then I was like, okay, like now I really want to get into business, but then now what? Mm. Yeah, so go on your journey. Yeah, because of what you talked about from you figured out the numbers to get that grade. Yeah. The time that you graduated was like the worst possible business money, everything of the, the recession. Yeah. yeah. So how did you go from, you know, that journey? Take, take us on that journey of going from I worked my ass off to get these grades, to get this degree. Now there's nothing out there. How do I make it? Yeah. So there was nothing out there. And like, you know, looking back at the recession, you know, like, and since then, I'm always like wondering, like, man, when, when is that going to happen again? Cause I was like, if I just had like money back then, like mm. anything you needed from like a mattress, like a home, a car was like all at a discount. I'm like, man, next time this happens, I want to be prepared and we can talk about that, you know, later. But, uh, you know, actually at college, I did have a job that uh, a guy gave to me that watched me talk at Eastern. I went and worked there for three months. It was this encryption at a startup company. It's actually a good product, but I kind of learned a critical lesson um, on like how to decide you're going to take a job, uh, you know, after this experience. But after three months, like they went under mm. and I literally one day I walked in and they were like, hey, we're done. Um, we ran out of money. Um, nice knowing you, Colin. And I had to go like apply to jobs. And that that was really kind of like the moment of like I'm in the recession. There's no jobs. And like I applied to 186 jobs and wow. got two interviews. Wow. It was terrible, man. And, they, and these interviews at these companies like weren't even good companies. One was like a recruiting company and another one was like an email marketing company. <laughs> and um, 
so that that was just terrible. But then I also like reached out to a guy I knew that was like pretty high up at Boeing, and he just like brought me in and got me an interview, and I, like I got the job. I couldn't believe it. But I mean, I I definitely was looking for like eight months. You know, it was like a terrible mm. eight months. And um, but like once it happened, and like all my friends were in the same boat. Like these people, these like great degrees, but like you had no experience. Mm-hmm. That was like the thing. It's like mm-hmm. you go to a job interview. It's like, hey, tell me about like what you've done mm-hmm. like oh dude i haven't done shit actually. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the biggest thing like you know but in that situation you have to realize like okay what can i pull from the past that can like you know this guy can or person can see like you know this person has potential like they don't have the experience but like hey they had a problem that's a lot more simple than what mm-hmm. we we're gonna hire them to do mm-hmm. but the way they approached it was like methodical and uh so like I you know luckily I had that student council job and they were like oh that's actually pretty good experience so that really like kind of helped you know get me in the door there and then you know really after I got hired at Boeing it was like kind of off the races and managing big supply chain in Asia. That's not because so, I'm reading this here. You were on the seven eight seven project. Did you ever do the seven four seven project? So just like for everyone that doesn't know, like you know in terms of Boeing in the Seattle area. So you have like two main plants. You have the Everett one and the Renton one. So all the programs um, are in Rent or Everett. And then the 737 is in uh, um, Renton. And mm-hmm. those, you know, factories are critical because um, the one in Everett is the biggest building in the world. One and a half Disneyland's can fit inside it. It's wow. got its own it's rail yards, its own massive. city. Massive. Yeah, 45,000 people every day go there for work. So every day you go to work, you're going to a football game. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. Like, you commuted <laughs> that, that job. Uh, and then Renton, what's so cool about that is that, you know, at one point they are making 47, 737s a month. That's more than one airplane a day. And, we, you know, 737s are money makers. So we all fly if we're flying Boeing, like, domestically. And, yeah, uh, you know, just, just absolutely critical uh, uh, factories. And, but to answer your question is that I actually like was across all the programs outside the oh. 787 at first. Okay. My first few years. And so like basically like, you know, when you think about Boeing or you know, we were just talking about John Deere or Ford or any of these companies like making whatever it is in the world that's complicated and big, they have a huge supply chain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Asia and Europe are, you know, usually a critical part of that supply chain. So when you think about airplane parts, like all the wings, the fuselage, the tail cones, they're all being made like somewhere in the world and they're brought what's called final assembly in Everett. We're all put together, right? Mm-hmm. So in Korea is where they do um, a lot of the wings. Um, so I like oversaw all the wing manufacturing for 747, 777, and 37 and 67. And ah. I think it's a total of 21, 21 statements of work, meaning like each statement of work is like a plane part. And like that factory in um, in Korea is where I, where I was uh, had 80,000 80, people employed there, <sighs> like mostly working on the Boeing program. So it's like like the amount of like employment like you know companies like Boeing bring to the world, it's like insane. It's like you just like see their number of, of like their company size, like but the amount of work they employ is just incredible. So, but yeah, so four seven, I definitely did work on that. That's the big boy. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was just curious because um, they just rolled out the last plane um, ever, and my uncle is like the one of the leads on that plane. And the reason why my family is even in this state is because of that plane. Yeah. So there's, I feel like there's a lot of um, 
community history and all that stuff that gets brought in between people around here because there's so much of Boeing. Now it's tech, nerds, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but back then it was like, you know, knit and grit hard workers. Yeah. So like that's there we all have like a connection to Boeing. Yeah. Like I know so many people like my dad did this, my uncle did whatever. Yeah. You know, and just like kind of getting that feel for what you did at Boeing and then how that trajectory took you to, you know, you mentioned like AWS, you know, AMD, what these different, like how, what was it at AMD or what was it at Boeing that you were like, okay, I did my part here. I want to go do something bigger yeah, or next. No, I totally had that epiphany moment. And, you know, so I was at Boeing for seven years and, you know, did tons of uh, supply chain management, basically. You know, our title they gave us was procurement agent. And I'm always like, dude, I never procured a damn thing. Yeah. Literally, I've never. <laughs> but literally, they just give you that title and they ask you to do a million things. Like everything from program management to like dealing with some customer issues and whatnot, dealing with the sales teams. Um, but so at Boeing, you know, I travel all Asia, like for the most part. Like I don't, don't think I've been to Vietnam and Philippines is about it. But, uh, wow. you know, as all over Asia, like, we, I had a sales job for a year doing like aftermarket sales to um, for the plane parts to some of the airlines and then um, just doing a variety of different um, supply chain sourcing deals. And so that was amazing. Like when you're in your early 20s, like you're traveling on the Boeing dime all over the world. Because like that was one of my goals like coming out of college. Just like how can I see the world? And I know I can't do it on my own dime. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the time. I need to work. Yeah. To get money. And like I'm not going to be able to afford these trips anyways. So that was like a huge accomplishment. I'm like, man, like, so I've seen Asia and like the cool thing about when I'm over there is that I'm like getting taken out by like, you know, these companies. So really experiencing the culture, you know, through like business. And that was like mm-hmm. just something that like, you know, I can kind of check that box. I'm, I'm still doing it today. But I mean, like that was just a cool, unique experience. And um, but so at Boeing, I mean, there's just a, a bunch of, you know, kind of answers to your question. But I think they're important. It's like one you know, there's this documentary on, on Netflix. Uh, everyone should watch it on Boeing. And really, it be, was an engineering company. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, very focused on the product. And then they bought McDonnell Douglas. And there's this thing at Boeing, they always tell you that like McDonnell Douglas bought Boeing with Boeing's money. And it's like, what? what does that mean? <laughs> and it's actually like crazy, but that's actually what happened. And mm-hmm. I still don't get like who actually let that happen. Um, but basically, McDonnell Douglas, which is a defense company, uh, their management like took over like all the high up executive jobs at Boeing, mm. and they just moved away from engineering to like more business and like you know stock price driven, and like the quality and just the whole company shifted, and it was definitely not for the better. But with Boeing, <clears throat> you know, we think of software like the profit margins are insane, right? It's like you know probably you know north of 50 percent on average and with airplanes like some of them they're actually like at cost like that 747 they call like an a jobs program where like they get government funding but like the reason they have it is kind of block you know their competitor airbus out of a certain market for x amount of seats on a plane they had to block uh you know their competitor out of uh, a certain market for basically twin aisle uh um you know engines and, and seats on an airplane but they don't have that many programs that are like that profitable. So they can't pay everybody, you know, that much money. And you're living in Seattle, like when I was from 2013 to now, like the the cost of live here has just like gone through the roof. It's insane. Oh, yeah. 
and it's terrible. It's so it's, it's kind of like a survival thing. It's like, well, where can I go to get, make more money? And like, why am I not making the money I think I should be making here? And it was like, this company Boeing has two unions they're dealing with, the engineering mm -hmm. union and then the manufacturing union, machinist. So it's like hard for them to make good money, you know? I mean, it helps that they're one of two, you know, airplane manufacturers in the world. But, you know, I kind of realized like, what is making good money and what's the future? I read this book, it was it was called uh, Industries of the Future. Um, and there's like 10 different kind of verticals and uh, industries to go into that were gonna be a big part of the future, like robotics, uh, cybersecurity, but big, big data and, and was like a, one of them. And I was like, well, Amazon's in my backyard, I should start looking into that. <laughs> So I had a few friends that worked there and started looking into it. And I interviewed for like two jobs, like at, like at Amazon.com on the retail side. And I didn't, I didn't get them. And, you know, that's like one thing about like interviewing for people. It's like, if you don't get a job, like that's their loss. That should be your, mm -hmm. your mentality. Assuming you're going, you're going in with like your best self or performing well. Like if you get to, you told no, like whatever, move on. Like don't get discouraged by it. If anything, you know, I think the reality I've seen for myself and people is that Actually, whatever job you're gonna get is gonna be better than whatever they told you no for, and you got told for no for a reason. Yeah. If you like believe that, like I think that is really powerful because I've seen people get so discouraged and they stop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, like you're chipping away at like you know the the whole diamond analogy in the in the mine. Like you're one hack away from like breaking it. So, but you're stopping like two hacks early if you just give up. So I didn't get those jobs, and then I got called for this one job about the cloud and i was like okay i know a little bit about this but right we want you to go around the world and like we need to source data centers around the world uh to host the cloud because basically that's what the cloud is right it's a bunch of data centers with you know servers in them that mm -hmm. basically customers can go and spin up in a console and use the resources only that they need and that's kind of the whole you know aws models that they're the experts in it infrastructure so let them do that and you go focus on your business but you only need to spin up what you need and actually the whole idea came up at amazon like whenever amazon.com wanted to launch a new like uh line of business like music or shoes or clothes like what is what, what's the longest lead time thing what what costs the most what's the most complicated and so it was always the servers and the it stuff mm. to launch that um department so we're like well why don't we just start a company that we just do that for all the businesses in the world and that's mm. like really what started the whole cloud concept and I was like a back in like kind of 2005, 2007. So, you know, I, I go to this interview and I'm like, yeah, I don't really like know much about data centers or anything. But like, well, tell talking about all this, like, um, you know, major manufacturing sourcing you've done supply chain and really like that experience, you know, yeah, it was like factories and this is data centers, but it was like the same kind of terms and conditions in terms of your mm -hmm. negotiating, uh, for contracts and, Surprisingly, you know, as I was in it, as the years went on, it's like that. It was super, like almost like apples to apples in terms of like what you're thinking about when you're going and assessing like what you were gonna, you know, pay for essentially and how you're gonna negotiate. But yeah, I mean, I got this job again, you know, at AWS, which is a way better place to be than like Amazon.com, <laughs> and like that changed my life because I mean, it was like early enough in the cloud where it was like, you know, you know it's a future and like, it's still, you know, obviously going on now. Um, but you know, it was so nice kind of like leaving that Boeing job. And now I'm like in this position where I'm like, now I'm working on something that I like really care about. And like, you know, the, the profit margins in the cloud again are like way better than they are for airplanes. So it's just like the kind of like 
lifestyle and pressure. Like it was just better over at Amazon. Like at Boeing, it's like you're commuting an hour from Seattle to the factory. There's 45,000 people. I have to walk 20 minutes from my mm. car when I park it into the <laughs> office. Like it was brutal, you know? And like there it's like, you know, it's a cube farm. A lot of people are kind of there, like not really working that hard. I, <laughs> I was like, I want to work hard to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the mentality of Boeing. I guess like the culture, you know, at Boeing for me, it was just like, it was too, I'm a sheer for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not clock re- in, clock out. Yeah. Everything. That's not really like, you know, how I see we should go about life. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be trying to like use our brains to like, you know, start, you know, new lines of business for a corporation. Like, you know, whether it's like you're, you're on the revenue side or product side and making something better. I mean, it shouldn't be like this nine to five thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is like my job. And maybe I'm not even starting work at nine o'clock. Maybe I'm starting at 11 o'clock. I wanted to go do something else that day, but I worked, you know, this amount of time. Like there shouldn't be like this like time associated mm-hmm. work. It's like you have a job, however long it takes to get it done is how long it should take. And that might be a lot of hours. It might not be that many hours. So. Yeah, no, that's true. I was, it was interesting. Some of the things that you brought up, like kind of like rewind a little bit, but, kind of break this down one of the things you said like with mcdonald douglas buying boeing boeing buying md whatever um and then the two manufacturers airbus and boeing um it's more like just a a fun question that i have is were you a part of the um the mock-up 747 to take out airbus and the reason why airbus has the a380 no, I wasn't part of that because the 747 was developed, I mean, a long time ago. But 787, it, it was, you know, getting developed before I got there. But So I wasn't part of that mock-up either. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah, for people who don't know, this is like, I don't know if it's an inside thing or people just like, this is what my uncle was telling me, is that um, the 747 was actually originally designed as a double-decker straight across. And the point of that was they knew that there was someone on the inside of Boeing for Airbus and like leaking stuff. So what they decided to do was create a plane that looked like what the A380 is now to run France and Airbus like into the ground trying to develop this plane. Cause it's like a billion dollar something airplane. Yeah, yeah. And my uncle would send me photos of like the landing gear when it was in that test phase and like stuff would break, wouldn't work. Now they want to do all these different things, but that's why the A380 exists. Is because Boeing had created a mock plane that they were never going to make, but just to see if they could get Airbus to spend a zillion dollars trying to figure out how to make this plane work. Yeah, man. I mean, like uh, aerospace is like so complicated and that's why, you know, it's so complicated. It takes such a big company to like operate it. I'm just, it's almost like uh, there's too many hands in, in the pot. You're kind of like a mm-hmm. cog in the wheel, which wasn't really mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, I mean, it served its purpose for me. It was an awesome experience. Like, one thing I love, I think that a lot of people in tech never got experience in was like, you know, I sat there some days on the line and watched like a product get made, you know, and like in software, like you're not really part of the code. And even when you're doing the code, like it is a product, but it's not like a physical product, like an airplane or a car. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool. Like understand, like, you know, there's things called like jobs behind schedule. It's like how they like schedule what's going to be done that day. And like things always don't get done that day. So you have to shift jobs around. Like, just things like that. It's so fascinating to understand how it all works, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of people don't, don't get to like see that. And I love just like being in that, you know, factory and 
you know, seeing all these planes and all these people running around doing like crazy stuff in like a little city, basically <laughs> all for making airplanes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, Airbus is killing it right now. You know, I think um, I haven't looked in a while and see, but I'm pretty sure they uh, own the majority market share uh, in terms of uh, airplanes sold uh, globally. But I think uh, Boeing's going to have a comeback is what I've been uh, reading. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's hope so. Um, but one thing that's interesting is that, you know, my dad worked at Boeing for 36 years. And then, like, whenever I tell someone I work, they're like, oh, like, uh, did you get your job there? Because your dad, I'm like, dude. Right. Yeah. If you, like, worked at Boeing, you understand, like, my dad couldn't even have pool if he wanted to. Like, at, at Boeing, they, they kind of have, like, a, uh, you know, referral pr- uh, program for people. But, like, no one actually uses it. Like, like no hiring manager uses it. Like, my dad was a metrology engineer. Like, you what know, does that mean? So actually, like Boeing had the first, and I think it's still the biggest, like wind tunnel in the world, right? That like does wind testing for mm-hmm. aerodynamics. But you know, all kinds of companies, you know, basically like pay for Boeing to do their testing, but Boeing uses it for their own uh, products. There's a lightning lab where they do a lightning strike on the plane to make sure it's not gonna what? get fucked up. You know, when it's in the <laughs> uh, up in the uh, uh, air. The funniest one is that they actually have chickens they shoot in the jets. Stop. Yeah. No. It's, it's a real thing. Oh my god. Yeah. You gotta test it. You know. Like chickens. Because they're big and they're thick birds. Oh. Yeah. So They'll destroy that thing. Bird strike. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, Boeing really did build build Seattle. Like that's oh, what yeah. brought so many people mm-hmm. here and built it up. And it's funny because I I feel like people forget that even from here. Mm-hmm. You know, because like we've just been so tech dominant. You know, since. You know, Amazon had their boom, you know. It was Amazon, but then also Microsoft. Yeah. When Gates, the story I've been told is Gates was in New Mexico or Arizona and then brought it up to Redmond. And that's like where stuff really started to shift, you know, because we had the 1962 World's Fair. Mm -hmm. And now people look around like, oh, that looks kind of cool. But does anybody know that there's a hotel over the water that you can fish right out of your room? Yeah. You know, like the monorail is obviously pretty iconic. The Space Needle, you know, those kind of things. But there's a lot of hidden gems around the city still that show the 1962 World's Fair. Yeah. Nobody gets like that was the whole space, aerospace, whatever. That's all around here. Like um, there's a park. What is it? Magnuson. The one that's like across the lake. Kind of like that. Like peninsula looking thing. You don't think of Gasworks, are you? No. You think of Magnolia? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Magnolia? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that used to be a World War II runway. Yeah, yeah. There's still planes at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. So I went flying around there, uh, not recently, I don't know, a couple of years ago. My buddy and I were trying to find the planes, We're like waiting yeah. for the light to hit. I'm like, where are they, dude? <laughs> but it's cool to think like all around here, there's just aerospace and planes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's definitely rooted in this area. For sure. Uh, I hiked, uh, or I shouldn't say hike, climbed Mount Rainier, and mm. there's apparently a, a plane crash in the crater. <laughs> and I was like up there for like 10 minutes. I was like, I'm not going to be the guy that finds it. Like, <laughs> like, like, like I'm sure there's people that come up here for days and try to find it, you know? But I was like kind of like looking around. But really, it's just like snow up there. Yeah. It's not really. Oh, it's so see. deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's funny. <laughs> what was that like? Man, that, that was, uh, you know, so I was traveling for Amazon all around the world. I mean, I was going to um, Sao Paulo, Montreal, Frankfurt, and then like, you know, Virginia and and uh, San Francisco, like a lot, like mm-hmm. all the time, a lot. I think 
in 2018 is only the longest time I was at home was like was for 10 days. Wow. And that, but like that was like I was just always gone, and I loved it because I was just in this new like technology and like meeting all these people, seeing what how things were being done in different parts of the world uh, to really like you know. Um, with data centers and networking for uh, the cloud, which I, I still find fascinating. Like people don't realize that like, whenever you pick up your phone and look at it, you're using, you know, the cloud, you know, in one way or the other. And um, I, I just think people like think of it as this place that data goes, but like, it's fun to really understand like how it all works. Um, but I was traveling a bunch and like, not really working out the way I wanted to. And uh, my it was just me and my buddy that climbed Mount Rainier. Like we didn't do a, uh, a service or anything. But oh my, my god! <laughs> my buddy was a, a green beret and like just knows how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't explain it. He's just one of the smartest guys I know, and he's just a beast. And like I, I trust my life with him, you know. And you know, it was like an eighty pound pack. That was like the hardest part. Mm-hmm. They usually have an eighty pound pack on at all moments. And I just put my head down and just like, dude, you just gotta keep walking. Yeah. Just keep walking, dude. Wow. Um, but you know, some funny stories were like, you know, we got to Camp Mir, which is like the base camp. And, you know, we spent five hours boiling water, which is hard to do at that altitude mm-hmm. with the jet boil. And, you know, we had to get hot water for our food and then like get hot water for the next day just for the water we had. But like halfway down the mountain, we ran out of water. Oh, no. And like I was, it was crazy. Like, I mean, like you think you're on like acid or something because I started seeing things, like, no. actual mirages. Like, <laughs> I thought there were these people there at one point. And it was just some rocks. But I, I like went up to talk to them and see if they had water. And it was just rocks. Oh my god! <laughs> That's I'm, so sad. All I, I'm like, all I want to do is get to the bottom <laughs> of this mountain and say I did it. Yeah. And yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, got to the bottom. Got to my parents' house. You know, Piaf's not far from uh, Mount Rainier. And like, all my toenails had fallen off because like your your uh, socks are all soggy from all the oh sweat. Oh my god. Yeah, so oh, but toenails literally fell off. I think I had like two left. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you which ones, but oh yeah, my God. like basically, like I had like the nastiest feet that summer. Yeah, how yeah. sore <laughs> were you after that? I was sore, but I, I definitely like, lost like every ounce of water weight. Yeah, it was just crazy. I can imagine. So if anyone needs to like lose a quick ten, like <laughs> do about right here. Yeah, with no guide and uh, try not to drink too much water. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, it was an awesome accomplishment. Like, I think I'll do it again, but like, I don't know. I'm not like uh, super turned on by like, yeah. I guess, climbing mountains. It was a good good experience. I think if you're from Washington, you see Mount Rainier all the time. I just want to be like, I, I, I climbed it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's super cool. And today on the way here from Austin, like, uh, you know, looked at the plane, saw Mount Rainier. Yeah. It was all snowy. And I was like, yeah, I conquered that bitch. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I remember going like halfway up. We were shooting something for Transworld Snowboard or whatever. And I got halfway up and this is like summertime. So we're like, we had to get to the snow and just gearing all this gear and you're just hiking up. Like, oh, dude, I'm going to die. And ever since we did that hike to go film, I was like, I'm never hiking up that thing. Because there are like these like old 75, 80 year old women are just like, yep, just coming down from another. I can't, dude, it's I'm crazy. Like, what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not fly to that top of that thing. I'm not going to hike yeah. that. You know? <laughs> so, these guys I was at the top with, like, it was like, a, you know, a dad, his two sons, but they're like older. But the dad was like, you know, 70s, I'd say. He does it every year. Yeah. And he didn't look like he's in that good shape. And I was like, <laughs> Bro, I just died. And I'm like 31. Like, how are you up here right now? 
Uh, so that was nuts. Uh, but dude, like, um, I don't know for the snowboarding, were they actually snowboarding down from camp Muir when you were, no. So we found a, a, like a pretty large area that had, um, some snow. We threw some salt to kind of melt it up a little bit and pack it. And then we had a, a rail. So then we'd come down and then ride that and just different, um, different fashions so they could shoot from different angles. And it was the whole point was to be like, you know, finding a spot. Yeah. To go ride no matter what. I mean, it was literally rocks all around us. We li- just found a patch that we could then, you know, shovel and make into some somewhat of a park. That's sick. But I mean, yeah, we had this huge rail, camera gear, our snowboards. And it's like, you take 25 steps and you're on dirt. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, the Korean buses show up and everybody's just like, want to take a photo with you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Dying. You've been at elevation all day. Yeah. So um, that was like the last. I mean, my buddy and I have hiked to like all different lookouts, to, you know, get different morning shots, sunrise shots, whatever. But like actually been on Mount Rainier. I think that was the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, people uh, ski down it. Not like from the top of Mount Rainier, but from here all the time. But when we were there, uh, someone had gone a crevasse and, you know, they died. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no. I don't know if it's worth it, man. Like uh, to ski down it. No. Yeah. No, I'd rather do like a heli ski trip where you can see your route as you're flying up to the top and then you use your tracker to go back down. Yeah. Because we've definitely done that one before. Um, I forget what we were filming, but we were at Baker. Yeah. And my buddy just saw this uh, cornice. He's like, all right, build a lip at the top. I'm going to stay down here and shoot while you go off. And it was like, I don't know, four or five of us. So we sat there for an hour, kind of packing it, seeing the trajectory and we figured out that you had to be up so far to create enough speed. It was, I think it was like an 85 foot drop, but it yeah. was a 40 foot gap to get over this 40 or 50 foot, uh, this crevasse. Like if you like, you know, slipped, caught an edge and went right down, like you were going way down. Yeah. Um, That's so rough. like, you know, so we're like, okay, come in switch, make sure like open up. Cause it was photos. It wasn't video. And like open up and then you're in the air. Like for me, it was like I could call somebody. I felt like it was I was in the air for so long. Yeah. But the crevasse stuff, it's like you just had to get it out of your head. I can't. When I watch these videos, guys like gapping these like 100, 200 foot. Yeah. I'm just like the speed that it's like, you know, the physics, all of that. It's it's gnarly. Yeah, I could not. I could not do like Crystal Mountain, it's like, oh, sweet, powder. Yeah. You know, big, wide open areas. That's all I want to do. Yeah. 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 We had to uh, walk across ladders or these crevasses on Mount Rainier. It was like five of them. And like, you know, that was intimidating as hell. Yeah. But like at one point, this girl was too scared and got like down her hands and knees on the ladder, like in the middle of it, held everybody up. And like, oh my God. this is June. So like, you know, ice is melting. That's like the time you want to hike. But we were like in this avalanche zone and like all these people were yelling at her, like get the fuck across the ladder. <laughs> oh like, cause people's lives were kind of at danger. Yeah. And, uh, that, that made it worse. Like the girl was just like freezing up more and we were there for an hour. And that, <laughs> and I think the cool thing about doing like a mountain, like Mount Rainier is like, I look at it kind of like life, you know, like mm-hmm. you're going to have this plan and that's not going to happen. Right. But you have to have a plan, <laughs> but like, you know, you have a plan, but you gotta be cool with, with like, a bump in the road or changes or, or you having to go a different course, mm-hmm. you know? And so like we're there for an hour, probably drank too much water, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you just gotta plan for those changes. But yeah, that, that girl, I was just like, God, you shouldn't be here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but 
Yeah, those those get gnarly. Yeah, for sure. Hiking around the mountains. Are you uh, just a little side tangent? Are you more of a winter or a summer guy? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if we directly covered it, but, but for everybody, I uh, moved from Seattle to Austin, uh, May 2021. So I always say when I like get up in the morning for like my workout at 630, it's like still it's, it's hot, man. Mm-hmm. It's sunny out. Or I'm walking my dog in the morning, get slapped in the face by 100 degrees and like some humidity. <laughs> Everyone's complaining about it in uh, Austin. I'm like, Dude, I, my load of appreciation for that mm. is everything. And like, so I'm a sunshine guy for sure. Like winter, mm. like you know, we're going to Leavenworth this weekend. Like it's gonna be cool beyond the cabin and the forest. Like it's it's actually like awesome because like the diversity from what I'm used to is just like a cool environment to be in. But no, like the winter time. So I went to when I went to Eastern, like it snows over there, right? Like five months of the year, I'd say. And like snow's cool when it first falls, but then like you plow it up and it gets all black. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. I drive by it, like in like the slush and the grayness. I'm just like, this is depressing. Yeah. And you know, like when we were out in like a place like Austin or like California, like people are in their swim gear, like being active, like vibrance is what mm. i think of it's just like the energy is so amazing so like i mean like going snowboarding all that stuff is like really cool but you know just everything that kind of comes with it afterwards is what mm-hmm. like i don't like you know yeah. so there's yeah. a time and place i feel that yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the last things i want to touch on like business wise like we talked about like you're going hiking and whatever yeah. like climbing these mountains or whatever so what are you doing now like what has I feel like you have done everything when it comes to business and all that. So, I mean, we hit Boeing, AWS, AMD. Yeah. Um, what is Equinix? Yeah. So, you know, I say that like, you know, you asked me the question, like why I leave Boeing and then it's like, I'm at AWS and like, you know, why I leave AWS. So like those two companies are like roughly 200,000 people at work at those companies, like crazy big companies. And it was awesome working there as you see how a mega company operates. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything from their contracts, the way they operate, supply chain, sales. But, again, you're always going to be a cog in the wheel. Like, even if you're, like, super high up there, like, you're a, a VP, it's, like, your life is just, you're, you're a slave to that company, kind of. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that'd be an amazing experience. And maybe one day I'll do something like that. But what I actually think is more fun and lucrative and interesting is going to a critical piece of what they need, right? So Equinex is, there's two companies in the world that do this. And it's Equinex and another company called Digital uh, Real Estate or Digital Realty. And they own, Equinex has 245 data centers around the whole world. So that's the platform for the internet. So 98% of the internet runs through their their data centers in the whole world. And no one has ever ever heard heard of this company, but you look it it up, like their stocks usually between 650 and $800. It's like not like, Investors know about it, but it's not this like, you know, household name, but basically, you know, all the clouds, all the big enterprises, all the, you know, Verizon's, which are called NSPs, network service providers, they need to be in these data centers to connect their servers around the whole world. And they, and what Equinix does is that they have their own network, which is called a carrier grade network. So it's redundant. So if one network goes down, like it's still running because it's redundant. So they need to be in their data centers to connect all their servers around the world together. Mm. So it's like, if you're the only company that can do that or one of two, like you're going to be doing well, right? Yeah. Mm. So I went to work there and started in sales because I went, you know, kind of another like kind of coming up or struggle story. You know, I was at Amazon. 
I wanted to leave like operations and business development and get into direct sales. But again, I had really no tech sales experience. So I go to these interviews and I was like, I was internal at Amazon. Like everyone always like loved my story, but they were like, man, you don't have like the exact experience we want. And so I must have interviewed 11 times and got told no over 18 months. And like, wow. you know, these interviews are six rounds, you know, and really smart people interviewing you. And that was like crushing. Like I'd be lying if I didn't like cry after a few of those. So I was like, oh. dude, like I have just been working my ass off, like preparing for this. I went and got a bunch of like uh, cloud certificates, like meeting with people, working my current job, living life. And it was like, you know, it was never like defeating. Cause like, I think that one thing you gotta realize is that like when you have those struggles early on in your life, it gives you the calluses, like endure it even harder later on. Mm -hmm. So I was never like down. I was just kind of like disappointed. I always have a rule. You're allowed to be, feel sorry for yourself for like one night, one day, mm -hmm. next day, you need to shut the fuck up and get back out there. Yeah. Like that's just why I tell, you know, anyone like, like, like my kid or a kid, like don't feel sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. Cause if you, when we start down that road, you're going down a bad road, right? Like what, what good's going to come from it? Mm -hmm. So I kind of realized, you know, I, I knew a guy pretty high up at Equinix and um, he brought me in to a sales role where I was working with Amazon. And that's kind of what, when no one ever told me this, but I kind of realized all of a sudden, like, dude, why would I not want to just like work with and sell with or sell to like Amazon? Like they're the big dog. And like, yeah. you know, if you want to go further in your career, you can do like Amazon, you know, Azure, uh, Microsoft, and then uh, Google, Google Cloud. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I want to go the sales route because I just was like, I like creating relationships. I like figuring out what the customer is trying to like do and solve and and sell them wherever they need to do that. Like I want to be a, on the leading edge and like move the needle, you know, mm -hmm. for whatever company I'm working at. So, you know, that was a really awesome two years. But like, again, like, Equinix, like they make a lot of money. Think of it like all those 245 data centers. It's like a high rise, you know, condo or apartment complex. Like they're full of tenants. Like they're making a lot of money over and over again from the biggest enter enterprises and companies like in this world. And they don't really want to like go and do the next best thing. Like they have a lot of really good products that we could take to the next level with Amazon. They're like, eh, we're kind of doing good now. I was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. I was like, well, then why am I here? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so again, like when you think about, you know, industries of the future, like where you want to be, I always say like, you want to be what's in the most demand. Like what, if you're going to sell a product, you need something that is like a really good product, a market leader, but in, a, in an area that like people need it. They don't mm -hmm. just have to have it. Mm -hmm. So that is like silicon in general, um, not breast implants, but like actually like uh, <laughs> computer processors. <laughs> and uh so, you know, it's crazy. Did you know that um, uh, computer chips are the fourth most traded product in the whole world? So no number, number one's refined oil, then uh, cars and auto parts, then uh, crude oil, and then um, semiconductors, like computer chips. I believe that. And like this whole chips act that they put, um, you know, I don't know, it's like maybe in like June this uh, past year, you know, to bring the manufacturing back to America. Like that's for a reason because it's, Literally, it already is, but even more in the future, the most critical resource like oil that every country needs to have. And they need to be able to make it there. So, you know, you think of like defense, like you need to be able to have that manufacturing and that technology like in your country. So I was like, I know that's where I want to go. Because like it's been kind of weird, like since the cloud, like what is the next thing? 
Yeah. And this whole thing with like chat GPT and open AI is kind of like, <laughs> but, but that's all powered by silicon in the cloud. Most yeah. of that's silicon though. And I'm like, okay, like this demand's going to go through the roof. That's where I want to be. My buddy, <clears throat> lifelong friend, guy from Kitsap named Lyle Welsh, uh, he uh, was at Amazon when I was there. We didn't work together. We went to college together. I've known this guy since he was 17 and I was 19. Like I was um, roommates with his brother. Mm. Like definitely bought him a lot of booze like when he was, a, you know, uh, <laughs> was 21. Yeah, but he was at AMD and he was like, dude, we have this opening for your exact job that you have now at Equinix. You want to come over? And like, I think... 90% of people wouldn't have left my Equinix job. It was a good paying job. Like I was good company making moves, you know, still had more I could do there. It was just going to take a while to get him to move. But I was like, no, nah, I want to like get this next challenge. But I didn't like really think about it. Cause I knew like this year was going to be like a hell of a grind, you know? Mm. <clears throat> so moving to AMD again, it's just like these underlying technologies that like, you know, AMD has got a pretty big name for gamers, people that use their CPUs and GPUs and they're, gaming PCs and like their stocks pretty popular right now. Like, I mean, it's been all over the news last week, but <clears throat> like to me, it's just like, that is a technology that all the clouds need, you mm -hmm. know, um, in order to operate the cloud. So, you know, I guess like what I'm trying to like tell people, like the way I think is like, what company is making something that, you know, the biggest companies absolutely have to have. That's the most critical part of their business and their profit margins are good. Like that's what you want to go represent. Like I have some friends that will go to a startup for like, you know, some nice to have product and it's like they're having a hard time selling it. And I'm like, well, yeah, dude, because no one really needs it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you want to go to something that's like, you know, innovative and like a, you know, market leader in what it's doing, you know. And I think, you know, just like one thing I love doing, like my form of meditation in the morning is like waking up having coffee, reading the Wall Street Journal with my dog in my lap, and then like, you know, kind of putting the phone down, like thinking about my day for a while. But just like reading the Wall Street Journal, I feel like you just really see like what is moving the world. And it takes a while to kind of read that. I think a few years of be like, man, I know this company. Like we were talking about like uh, Caterpillar and John Deere. I mean, I'm just saying like those are the market leaders and like what they do, farm equipment, construction equipment. Like you need to find wherever – you need to find your like industry and vertical first and then like who, who are the best players there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, then like how do you get it in there? It's like, okay, like people, like we have like so many tools at our fingertips now. Like, so LinkedIn, it's like, if you, if someone like hits me up and they want to learn more about AMD or me, like I'll give them 30 minutes. Like, I mean, I have a busy day, but yeah. I was there at one point, mm -hmm. like I'll, I'm going to help that person out. So I think people like you have those kind of tools available to you now. Like, I mean, it wasn't like that like 10 years ago, right? You know, totally you couldn't just get someone's phone number and call them up. <laughs> so you just gotta like kind of put yourself out there and be cool with it and be cool with failing. Like I, I just say that I'm the most successful failure, you mm -hmm. know, like failing is just part of the journey and quicker to accept that the easier it's going to be. What's really cool is like every time you fail, you're actually falling forward. You know, that's the way I like to think of yeah. it, but it does suck when you fail. It does. But, but you're learning so much and yeah. it's really leading you on the path that you're meant to be on, you know, and exactly. even the last whatever, you know, interviews that you went on, maybe you made a connection with someone there and it shows up later down the road. You that that I mean? 100% happens. Yeah. Like I literally am like reaching out to this guy who's now mentored to me that interviewed me and mm -hmm. he was like, dude, I loved you. I'm so pissed you didn't get that job. But like yeah. that was actually one thing. And, and Lauren, you bring up a good point is like during that, like 
18 months I was interviewing at Amazon, I met so many of these people. And they're just mm-hmm. like, dude, it's such bullshit that like, yeah, you don't, you're not the exact right guy. And they're not going to give you this job because I know you could do it. Yeah. And now that I'm like in that world for the past three years in sales, I'm like, dude, like these people like with this experience suck. You know, that, that, <laughs> I should take that back. Like not everybody, but like it's all it's, it's like just because you have that experience doesn't mean you're like a hard worker. You have like kind of the traits yeah. that are going to um, make a person successful. Like, do you have an agenda for every meeting? Do you? Mm-hmm actually like listen to your client you know do you actually follow up like that's the biggest thing it's like anyone could have a meeting but you got to execute yep. to drive revenue and sales and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't do that so yeah i mean i'm glad it all happened the way it did and um you know again just putting yourself out there mm-hmm. yeah no i think that's awesome um and I actually remember you kind of going through that. We met a few years ago. Yeah. And um, I just want to touch base a little bit on like the health and fitness side. Yeah. Because I feel like since I've known you, I've just seen you transform uh-huh. in so many different ways. And it's not like I know you like super, super well. Right. Yeah. But we definitely converse. Um, so what kind of really sparked you to just get after it and like go through this like body transformation? Because you've also shared People come up to you, you know, out at the pool asking if you're taking testosterone yeah. or like doing all these things. So like, what is that like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I've always like worked out and like, you know, one thing that I've been doing for a long time now is like working out in the morning, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just like, the, you know, in a way free natural medicine. Like, it's just yeah. like I get my what I call the demons out in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I just I wake up, I'm pissed off at someone from the day before. <laughs> Dude, after I leave the gym, I'm like, good. I'm like, yeah. I'm calm and collected. I'm ready for the day. So like always worked out, but it was funny. I, I wanted to get more into proactive health. So mm-hmm. I got like, you know, 25 vials of blood taken for me. Like, mm-hmm. dude, like I was on the 16th one in my stomach. Like totally was like cramping. <laughs> I had to tell him to stop. It was a very thorough like blood work. And mm-hmm. basically came back like, dude, you're good. You should yeah. more vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, like the important one being, so I just turned 36 was like, what's my testosterone level? And it, it was fine. But like, I was like, you know, there are things now that like, aren't necessarily steroids like peptides have you heard mm-hmm. of those yeah i don't know is that considered a steroid no not a steroid but yeah. it's a, definitely a natural <clears throat> alternative to kind of boost yeah right yeah so i was like thinking about hey maybe i should get into doing that but then my doctor's like dude i think you should just lose like 40 pounds like how are you six foot and 225 i was like i didn't think i was fat and like looking back and like i was like i guess i was a little thicker but i was never like fat so i you know talked to lauren about this whole dieting thing and you know Diets, like, it's just so interesting now that I'm in it because I'm like, dude, intermittent fasting is a diet. Like, anything else, I'm really kind of like, I think the Mediterranean one from a longevity perspective Mm -hmm. has an argument in play, but I don't know how much, like, weight you're necessarily going to lose. But I think Mm -hmm. with intermittent fasting, it's like, you eat for eight hours. That's all you need to know. And then, like, for me, it's like nine to five is when I eat. And... You know, I think that stopping eating at five is really awesome if you're trying to like lose weight. I mm-hmm. think like that's really critical because it gives your time, your body enough time to like really process everything before you go to bed. So you're burning fat kind of when you're sleeping a little mm-hmm. bit. But, you know, for me, you know, I did the um, prolonged five day fast and that was that's what really like kicked up my metabolism. Like I yeah. like kind of tested that like that is true. It's real. And, you know, it seems kind of fatty, you know, like if you like look into it, look at the website. Mm. But, you know, I told people about it. I think I had like 15 friends recently do it. No and They're way. like, this is like nuts. Yeah. Like, you know, and um, all I did was like intermittent fast for three days afterwards. And for a while, they're like, oh, you got to cut beer. 
And I was like, you know, I think for two weekends I was drinking like vodka sodas. I was like, I yeah. can't do this anymore. I hate vodka sodas. <laughs> so there's no flavor to it. <laughs> I gotta add beer. What I'm trying to like get at was like, you know, so really what I did was like the prolonged fast. It's a five day fast where, you know, I think I lost like maybe like seven or eight pounds. But then I kept doing the intermittent fasting for, I want to say like three days for like a, like a few months afterwards mm-hmm. with working out. And I did add in like three days of lifting at the gym. You know, I kind of build my own programs, but then two days of kind of like this like hit um, gym I go to, East Austin Athletic Club, shout out to them in Austin, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, basically you're just, you know, lifting pretty heavy weights, but you're like mixing with like rowing and cardio and pull-ups and like, you know, all kinds, you know, dumbbell carries and that's just like the, the cardio and fat burn right there. So you're, you're mixing all that with intermittent fasting. It's just like, yeah, I lost 40 pounds and like, you know, we were in Spain at one point and like, uh, these like English guys come up to me and like, dude, like, so what are you on right now? (laughs) And then people would ask, um, you know, my friends like, so it's Colin, like take steroids. We were in Mexico on a fishing trip. Like my buddy's uh, Mexican friend, he's from Monterey is like, uh, so what what steroids are calling on? I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't even think I look like that, but, um, cause like, I feel like people that take steroids, like they kind of look like the rock, you know, like it's just, a lot more bulky and whatever, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, you know, and then I do focus a lot on, I mean, it's pretty simple, just like uh, chicken and vegetables and then uh, other meats, but then like literally <clears throat> Thursday through Sunday hits and I just like live my life like normal. Mm-hmm. Like I eat what I want, drink beer and I'm still like seeing amazing results. So I think what I tell people is like, dude, this is simple. You don't need to give up your mm-hmm. whole life, you know? And that's what's so sad is so many people think they have to spend an hour in the gym, you know, or a lot of times they're not eating enough, especially women. Right. And so then it's like your body's not going to change, especially if your nervous system isn't like calm and taken care of, you know. So it's just super cool that you found what works for you. And then you also love sharing that. Like, I think that's amazing. Yeah. So I did start a website called uh, um, opensourcehealth.io, which has uh, like a basically a whole breakdown of like an intermittent fasting plan people can use and then a bunch of my like recipes and whatnot that, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing that I've always been doing is like a shake in the morning, like with like, you know, a good, like a cup of fruit and then uh, almond milk. And then I put a beet powder in there, which Mm -hmm. like gets your like nitric oxide, blood flow going. going. (laughs) And then, um, you know, chai seeds and then uh, creatine and uh, protein powder. But like you're in then spinach, but mm-hmm. you're getting so many nutrients from that in the yeah. morning and it makes like kind of coming off, you know, not eating for 16 hours a lot yeah. easier. But I'm like, why? That's what everybody should be doing is like mm-hmm. a shake in the morning. Is like what way can you get nutrients easier mm-hmm. and like that many nutrients in your body faster? Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's like another kind of big, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it hack, but, you know, yeah, for me. And then, um, yeah, I mean, like you don't really need to give up too much you know mm-hmm. then i have a new thing too where like monday and wednesdays i call it like the earn it days like i don't go and really do anything like maybe after work i'll go on a, on a run which is mm-hmm. obviously like healthy and good but like you know i'm not seeing people really i'm not definitely not going out to eat unless it's like a business situation and you know that's not even 50 percent of the week so i actually mm-hmm. kind of look at that I'm like it's kind of lazy because like you got like elon musk is like dude that's 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 not gonna get it done for me you know mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, a lot of people just like feel like they need to go and like do something social, like mm-hmm. all these nights from the week. I'm like, you just break down your life. Like, Hey, like think about it, Thursday through Sunday. That's like four days. You can yeah. go do whatever. But like, 
you're not just like carving out a portion of your day. Like, you know, I work late on those days, like, you know, so I can actually have my Friday mm-hmm. afternoon by like three or four o'clock to like go do what I want, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just like, that's just like, you know, accountability and discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's like kind of interesting. I think, you know, being a millennial and looking at like the millennial generation is that like, I don't know what happened, but accountability seems to be lacking and a little bit of a work ethic. Cause like <laughs> think of our parents, like they were commuting and, you know, obviously working wherever they're working now. We have this like, you know, work from home culture and just the, the work ethic and accountability people like, are just like, well, I'm at my job. I can't really see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And everyone's talking about it. all these like companies are talking about, like we are not seeing, you know, the efficiency we used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, dude, don't ruin this whole thing for us. Cause like now I work from home, you know, for about almost three years now, maybe it's a little under three years. And like, it's a, that's it got its own problems. I think Cause like, I mean, I'm inside all day. I'm seeing people on video, but like, I'm not like around people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went mm-hmm. to the AWS reInvent con- conference uh, in November. There was like roughly 60,000 people there. And I was like in this like expo hall. And like the third day and I wasn't even like drinking that much or anything like that um, at the conference. And like, I kind of had like a little bit of like an anxiety moment, like where I had to kind of like go off by myself for a second and be like, I'm overwhelmed with all these people. And I just like mm-hmm. always like think like, why, why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. And it, I'm just like, well, think about it. You're in your office all day by yourself. And now you're around this many people, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you just got to like kind of check yourself and just, you know, tell yourself you're in a good, you're in a safe space. Something's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm always like, I just go right back into that room. I'm like, I don't, you don't want to run away from the problem. It's like, just go back in. No, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Maybe you have to sit down for a second, but yeah. yeah. So. That's so good. You actually reflect and give yourself that space. And even throughout your week, like those two days, you know, it's your time, either yeah. your downtime or like you have a strategic plan, right? You're going to like bust your ass so that you can go and enjoy yeah. the, the times out and stuff. So Totally. And uh, actually, one funny story, uh, a, a big failure moment is that uh, when I was in Korea, like, so I, I was there um, up until I was like almost 27, um, you know, going back and forth between Seattle and uh, Korea. And I was just always there for a long time. And uh, I had to give a presentation one day. And, you know, I thought there was gonna be like eight people in there. It wasn't even much of a presentation. It was just like, hey, I'm going to show you like kind of like the status of, you know, your manufacturing grades from Boeing and what you're doing for us right now. And the four nights before that, I was staying out to like two or three in the morning with my Korean friends, partying, <laughs> oh, no. and then getting up for work at six a.m. and oh. pounding, and pounding um, uh, you know, Korean energy drinks, which are like Red Bull and steroids. Oh, oh yeah, terrible for you. Yeah, like, I look back and I'm like, dude, that was that's the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I go in this presentation, I go in this room, I'm wearing a suit. It's like monsoon season in Korea. It's just hot <laughs> out, and uh, there's like forty five people in there. And it's like, you know, this big production. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I'm not really that prepared. I get there and start talking. I, ne- I know all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're reporting out some data. And all of a sudden, I just had this, like, weird out-of-body experience. Like, I'm, like, looking at myself presenting. And I start choking up. And I have a panic attack. <gasps> oh, like, I no. felt like my heart was in my throat. Yeah. I, I, and I fainted. <gasps> and in what? front of all these people. Interesting. What? And Koreans are, like, super hardcore. Like, they drink hard and they work hard and like they're like, who's this pansy? Like uh, uh, <laughs> can't keep up. Like uh, passing out like this. So man, I went I went home from Korea just went with my tail between my legs Aww. and like, but you know, 
the good thing was, so I started my MBA, so I had to stop traveling. So I did that for about two and a half years and I do loads of big presentations there. So I got like, again, right back into it. But I'm like, what did I do wrong? I didn't prepare. So now like whenever I have a presentation, you know, I always like over-prepare. You know, I'm going in there like, even if I black out because of like, you know, that happens to people when they're presenting mm-hmm. in front of a lot of people. My mind just knows it so well. I'm just like going, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, but really you're confident in what you're yeah. talking about. Like you're, yeah. you're just like, yeah, I know this. Like I'm out to educate these people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's embarrassing, but I look back and I laugh at it now. And again, I'm like glad it happened because yeah. like, if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had this kind of discipline now. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of people like wing a presentation, like, and I can just tell. I'm like, dude, this this is like terrible. Mm-hmm. Like your material's ter- terrible. You're terrible. Like we're talking about <laughs> terrible. And um, so you know, like, like that's the thing about like you know working in corporate America and business is like it's it's competitive and mm-hmm. like you know for me like it's weird as sports. Like I just like can't get ultra competitive playing sports like i'm kind of just like i'm kind of there having fun like you know but with like work it's like whoever you know is like my peer that i'm kind of competing against or like another company i'm like i'm really competitive about mm-hmm. that like it's like naturally that just like you know it is inside me so yeah like you have to i feel like have those moments and experience like be your best self yeah I- i'm so bad for people that are just have only had success because like the moment they're in a, and I've seen this happen with like two people in my mind. I can think about like stupid success. Like they're kind of like getting a lot of luck. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, a thing about life is that you need some luck on your side. Mm-hmm. I think like getting into Amazon for me in this AMD situation, it was like lucky that I knew about it and got in and knew some people there. But like, um, you know, when they fail, like they had their first big moment of failure, they like, don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they either like stop progressing or like, just, takes them out or yeah, yeah. They're, they're just like you know not even a player anymore yeah um so yeah like i'm I'm all about failure and like kind of making your own way you mm-hmm. know i don't know if you, have you guys had friends that like just take over their friend their parents companies mm-hmm. yeah and always, and always <laughs> yeah. There's, there's nothing like wrong with it it's like if i was in a situation i'd do it too but it's like you can never say that you started this yeah and you know it is what it is like i mean they're probably in an awesome financial situation but they never had that like come up story, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I do know one, one in particular, I won't mention the the brand that it is, but they are uh, incredibly successful. Um, it's a store that everybody goes to to buy stuff. And uh, this was one of my mom's clients. And so she'd come over, you know, drive the whatever car, but then her kids would show up for their appointments. And um, for people don't know my mom's hairstylist. You haven't heard the other podcast episodes. Um, <laughs> They'd show up and they would look just look like bombs. Like the daughter would show up like she just came out of her treehouse. Yeah. And like she made her own purse and clothes and whatever. But the the parents always just grinded it into them. They're like, we have all this because we worked hard. This is our money, not your money. If you want it, like go work. The sun would be up 530 in the morning to open the store, sweep the floors, work the cafe, all that stuff. And as time went on, they're like, okay, like if you want to take over, this is, these are the steps that you have to do. These are the grades, these are the degrees, the whatever. And I mean, these people, I mean, they could buy anything on earth. Yeah. That kind of wealth. Yeah. But the kids just, they just knew they're like, mom and dad aren't going to hand this to us. And you know, it's a large store. So it's not something you just kind of walk in like, 
all right, CEO changed, you know? Yeah. And it, it was really a grind. Yeah. But I have seen those kids too that, yeah. you know, dad just gave them the, gave them the keys and said, all right, kid, take over. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what no. am I doing? There's definitely a, a scale and a spectrum there. And, you know, I think that as a parent, it, you know, whether you have your own company or you're just wealthy, it's like you're doing your kid a disservice if you just hand it to him. I think it's like probably really hard to figure out like how to grind it in them. Cause like you don't want to be too much, but like, you know, what's the right balance of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's not a problem I've had to deal with yet. I don't have kids. So <laughs> I know. Yeah. My mom wanted me to take over her salon. She would just want <laughs> so bad. I'm like, no, I like doing, you know, competitive sports. Yeah. Or like building stuff. And she's like, but this makes so much money. Like, you can just step in. Like, I know how to color, foil, cut, really? highlight, whatever. Yeah. Perms. I hate perms. Stinks. <laughs> but I know how to do that. Yeah. And she's like, you could do this. I'm like, I don't want to stand on my feet for 10 hours a day, you know, working a labor job. Yeah. You know, it pays really well, you know, but I don't want that. You yeah. Know, I want to build something, create something that's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. So it, uh, it definitely... Yeah, I know what that's like. The creativity, allowing kids to be creative and forcing them to like get off their iPads, get off their phone, like get off all these screens that are destroying their eyes, their brain, their health, like mental health. That was one thing that I wanted you to kind of touch on, Lauren, and then like Mm -hmm. you guys um, converse back and forth because I know you guys are more into this side than I don't really know much of it, but like. I see so many kids that they don't know how to act if there's not a screen or a phone in front of them. Like going to a store, you get these millennials, not even millennials, where they Z. I don't even a, know where we're at anymore. Are we at, are we at AA now? <laughs> there, we go, there was some new back? one I, I, I heard a while back, but it's like Gen Z is like below millennial. Yeah, and but like we're past another, that. Yeah, there's another one below there and it's like some weird name and I can't remember. I wish we had like a fact checker or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I know. But yeah, I mean... Uh, so the number one job that ge- like the younger generation wants to do right now is be an influencer. Mm-hmm. And like back to what I was talking about, about, about like watching a product being made. I'm like, that's how you add value to like the GDP of the economy. That's how you like actually like if you think about it, like how do we all gather resources now? We all like have a job. We get money. That's how we get resources. We're not going out and getting chickens and vegetables <laughs> anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're just influencing, like, okay, like there's some marketing sales play to be had like hey they can promote a product but like how many of those people do you need for that to be the number one job mm-hmm. everyone wants to do it's like not good um and we were talking about earlier but the birth rate is like down globally mm-hmm. and it's a big deal for every country but you know in america like we don't have as many people they all want to be influencers there's a problem like we need people <laughs> that are like welding we need people that are manufacturing mm-hmm. we need farmers really bad no one's going into farming really anymore and like mm-hmm. the whole food shortage crisis is probably about 10 years out and that's gonna be like this whole crazy yeah. thing um you know lauren i know you're really into like organic foods and everything oh, but yeah. like you know that's like awesome we have that option right now but like you know it takes a lot more water and whatnot to like yield those um, crops and mm-hmm. like you get way less crops because it's natural right? right well we're gonna get to this point where we have we have to just make us a, a as much food as we can mm-hmm. to feed everybody. Yeah. So it's like you don't really have an option of like what you want to eat. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Well, now they're doing the whole lab created, you know, foods and 
the meat and all of that, right? So it's created in a lab. Yeah. So that they can mass produce it to keep feeding the world or whatever. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I mean, that's a solution. Uh, One of them I was hearing about was uh, grain, right? Like, like part of the whole diet thing. Like, I don't really eat a lot of grain at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want to. But wheat is the easiest crop to grow around the world. There's multiple seasons for it. And, you know, wheat was an important crop in history because it fed the world Mm -hmm. and people weren't going hungry anymore. They're just eating like porridge and grains for with like boiled water or whatnot. But we're probably going to be there at some point in the future. Like that's what that's what you have. Yeah. Uh, It kind of sucks because you're not going to be a scary thought. Yeah. I know people who are literally stacking up like food supplies and buying cows and, you know, freezing meat and having you know a year or two worth yeah. of food because where we're heading is like yeah not good it's not good yeah no. I, I just got my like uh did, did like the hunting safety course for mm-hmm. texas and got my license and then i just got a friend who likes to hunt deer but um doesn't like deer i'm like dude i buy venison all the time so i literally on saturday went and picked up like two boxes of like you know butchered uh deer and so nice. i'm like I need to figure out how to go get my own deer. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's crazy about like Texas is that you're not allowed. There's not that much public uh, hunting ground, mm-hmm. but like, so everyone hunts on private ranches and all that. Um, but there's so many deer mm-hmm. in Texas and you would never think this. Like it's that's like weird. You yeah, drive in just Austin, but like you barely go outside 20 minutes and there's like like people that hit deers on the mm-hmm. highway. It, it happens every day. There's so many, every golf course, so many deer. Like, I mean, way more than I've ever seen in Washington. And so I'm like, yeah, like I need to go learn how to like hunt and like get like two or three deer a year. Yeah. And it's just like good meat to have. And like, you can offset it with all the grocery store meat and whatever. Mm But yeah, I think it's kind of a real thing to think about for people. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you shoot? Well, so right, this Remington is what I have my eyes on. I don't know shit about what I'm getting myself into, (laughs) but this is like one thing I found like, (laughs) When I uh, was in Seattle, I fished a lot. So I, you know, we had a boat that we go in the Puget Sound with, and I did the fly fishing thing. But the, you know, going for salmon in the Puget Sound mm-hmm. was like awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's crazy because like it's hard to catch a lot of salmon, and it wasn't like that ten years ago. People were like, oh, I limit out. You know, it's two per person a day. But then now you have you know, Americans, Chinese, Russians, natives all fishing in front of where you know the Pacific Ocean comes in the Puget Sound. And commercially, and so there's like hardly any fish. So it was like not mm-hmm. that yielding and whatnot. Um, so by a mentor, you know, that taught me how to fish. And it's like very complicated, like using the downriggers, what flashers to use to attract the salmon, then what lures and like what to do, where to really where to fish is probably the hardest part. But like with this hunting thing, I have a two two guys I know that you know have property that have been doing it forever that I'm just friends with. And like I think I've never really found a mentor in business, which is kind of surprising. Like everyone I've known, I'm like, you know, they have like, they have good advice and they're helpful, but like, it's not someone that I've been working for for a long time and moved up with. I've never found that person. Um, but with like these kind of things, like you know, grabbing on someone that just knows what they're doing, your you know, time to market, if you will, is like cut so much shorter because like they just show you what to do. Because mm-hmm. like I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I read a bunch of things, but all these blogs are saying something different. Now I'm confused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. Do you have anything else? I don't want to cut any questions that you have. What's going on with the sauna game and everything right now with like the proactive health? Is there anything new I should know about? Um, what do you mean sauna game? 
Well, like, I mean, like, so, so I, I have a saw in my backyard, yeah. been using that. Um, but like, you know, I want to get an ice plunge. Yeah, I was just going to ask, have you been doing that? I refuse to spend the $5,000 yeah. on that. <laughs> you know, it looks really awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised if I give in, but I've been trying to find like a five foot ice chest, like mm -hmm. convert into a, a ice plunge. Like there's a bunch of videos on it. It doesn't look that hard, but I just haven't gotten the time to like, you know, go and go and like find one and get one yet. Yeah. But that is kind of my next thing. But you know, it's, I did have bad uh, tennis and golf elbows. So it's basically tendonitis and like your upper and lower elbow uh, from just like working out too much. Mm -hmm. And um, I had I did the dry needling, which helped, but then the piezo wave. Yeah. But you know, I actually like did the best benefits. I had one and I mean, a lot of people have them now is the, um, the pulsing gun, the thero gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just it, break just it all up and... I mean, I'm at my desk yeah. and just around my house. I'm just like hitting it like three times a day. Yeah. And that actually is like pretty much healed it, I'd say. Good. Yeah. Good. So. Yeah. Taking curcumin, anti-inflammatory. I, I don't know what that is now. Oh, it's like turmeric, the potent extract from okay. turmeric. Yeah. So I have turmeric. I was doing it for a while and I saw like no benefits. So I was like, ah, screw this. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't as absorbable. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that was like turmeric. You said. Curcumin, curcumin is what is in turmeric. So okay. yeah, if you're taking turmeric, you're getting curcumin. Okay. Yeah. But obviously supplement wise. Yeah. They could be different. Yeah. You know, depending on the brand. Always trying to find, you know, the next helping. But it's crazy that like, you know, with intermittent fasting, cold plunges, saunas are obviously like they haven't been around forever, but like it's some of the stuff that's like as long as time. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, every single person in like Sweden has a sauna in their house. Yeah. Like that's how beneficial it is. And yeah. how needed it is. Um, do you do like cold showers? No, I, I saw this uh, thing the other day and I agreed with it. it. was like, okay, so if I take cold shower, you're taking away like one of the best parts of my day. And I was like. <laughs> no, I, you just end your shower. <laughs> like 30 seconds, turn it to cold, blast it, let it hit your face. Okay, I, I can mean, maybe it, do that. It's I game just love a changer. Cold, a hot shower, man. Yeah, like, same. Like, yeah. Best parts of the day. But it's funny in Texas. Like it's so hot most of the year mm -hmm. that our cold water isn't that cold. Oh, yeah. It's like. <laughs> Like it's like kind of like like pool water, oh, you know. I see. And the, oh. Well, pool water in like the Northwest, like, like the pool water in in Texas is actually like probably hundred degrees. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> you you get in, you're like, yeah, I, I, this is a refreshing. <laughs> like, there's no such thing as like like you know Cooling heating your off. heating your pool in Texas. Like, the yeah. sun does that. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's just sticking to the basics on the mm -hmm. health stuff. Like, I mean, uh, it's crazy growing up like eating cereal, right? Like, and just you know, hot pockets and All stuff. The shit. Like I love, I love bagel bites. Like I can smash yeah, a dude. whole, smash a whole sixty pack from Costco easy, <laughs> oh easy. God. But the Red Baron pizzas. Oh, just the, the mini ones. Yeah, but it's crazy to eat that stuff. And like, no wonder I was eating so much when I was little, mm -hmm. going through puberty and all that, because I was like, it's not filling. Yeah, you're not even no. getting any nutrition from it. So yeah. obviously, you're gonna be hungry. Yeah. Yeah, I read this thing. I, I can't remember what. It's not like Nabisco or anything, but like the um, tobacco companies like own a lot of food pro mm -hmm. processing companies. And it's like, yeah, pushing well, shit on us. Like, yeah. yeah, there's like main companies that just own even organic companies really? are owned by. Yeah. Yeah. That's all twisted. It but, is twisted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of things out, out there about like organic vegetables where it's like, you know, what's the actual return on nutrients of each one when they test them? Yeah. Um, some some are good, but mm -hmm. like, you know. 40%. Yeah. It yeah. has to be 40% organic for it to be to get a label. 
Yeah. yeah, and what they did was they tested antioxidant yeah. level between okay. organic and non-organic, and the organic ones had more higher antioxidants because they actually had to fend for their life, okay. right? So yeah, they're yeah, actually yeah. like actively growing and fending versus the non-organic or the ones really sprayed. They yeah. don't have any experience of bugs trying to get them or anything like that. So that's crazy. That's one study yeah. I saw, yeah. I was uh, in Guatemala during my MBA program for a month, like uh, looking at coffee plantations. So we started off with a Mayan one where they go and pick each coffee bean. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of seeing like what's low yield and like what's the labor that has to go into it. And like now this is the cost that they have to sell it for, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we went to like kind of a higher tier one, another higher tier one. Then we went to Starbucks's where they have like combines that like go and rip up the coffee trees. Mm -hmm. They're like trees are big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there's like branches and and leaves getting in there, but like, you know, they have a thing that sorts out the coffee beans, which is pretty cool. But like, that's like mass produced and their yields are higher. You know, their plants are bigger because they're using like tons of, uh, you know, fertilizer. But, you know, in the elections in Guatemala, the way they like buy or win people's votes is that the politicians will give them like drums, like barrels full of uh, Roundup. And there's so much Roundup. Oh my god! In the crops in Guatemala, that bunch of these like amazing lakes. This one called Lake Adelon. It's like super magical. Um, you really can't swim in it because it's got so much Roundup yeah. in it. What? What's so sad yeah. is um, a lot of the people like who go fishing out in eastern Washington, you know, Columbia River. Yeah, there's a ton of glyphosate runoff into that river, and so they've tested the salmon and fish that are caught, and a lot of it is pretty toxic with that pesticide so i bet if we all peed in a cup right now they tested it for roundup yeah there would be like levels of roundup yep. in our pee they, that, yeah which yeah. is like that's why taking a binder can be really helpful uh, what's that like an activated charcoal oh. binder yeah that can specifically bind to the pesticides and and then eating organic right so you're at least limiting your exposure yeah and knowing where your fish comes from but so my doctor that does yeah. all the blood work and all that stuff for me like he w when he gets back from drinking mm -hmm. will like put a spoonful of like powdered charcoal mm -hmm. in like water and drink it and i guess yeah. it helps like the hangover the next yeah, day yeah doing that and then taking glutathione works magic glutathione is glutathione. that a, is that like a pill form um you can do liposomal which is just you put it under your tongue Interesting. um it's going to be more absorbed yeah. Um, but yeah, master antioxidant. It helps your liver process the alcohol. Yeah. So that you don't have the hangover. That's crazy. <laughs> do Do you think uh, too much protein for meat? Like in a like if you're eating a lot of meat in a day for like we you know months and months and years and years like that's like bad for you. Well, I mean, I guess it's how much is that? I typically say you know a gram per pound of body weight. Which is like a lot. Like it I, is a lot. I it's hard to actually I, hit that. I, I yeah. We, we talked about this. Like I tried so hard mm -hmm. like to hit that. And like I'm like. I'm like so full for yeah. like eating all this meat. Like I can't eat 190 pounds yeah. of protein. Yeah. Even with a protein shake and everything, it's like, yeah. and then also if they ate out our window. So yeah. like you would expand that, be a lot easier, but mm -hmm. yeah. So. yeah. Dude, last one. Yeah. We'll wrap this up. I think this is like the best note that you've ever written. <laughs> yeah. How to be the best person in today's society. Yeah, man. Work and live a fulfilling life. I kind of like hit on, on already, but I think that if you're just like at home and you're trying to find the easiest way to make money, like, hey, I'm all about side hustles and everything, but like, dude, like life isn't supposed to be easy. And it's going to be pretty boring, I think, if it is. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you, you know, inherit a bunch of money, you're going on these trips, doing all this stuff, like, you hear about those people being so sad mm -hmm. and like committing suicide. Mm -hmm. 
So I really think that you gotta figure out like, you gotta ask yourself like today with what I'm doing, am I adding to society in the world? Like, am I doing a job that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be making a product or a service, but like, you know, like, like what am I doing that's like adding value to the world? And then how am I gonna be the best person doing that? Mm-hmm. And then also looking like, is there something I'm more interested in or, you know, I can make more money. And I think that like, you know, I like making money because like, like I talked about earlier, like, that's how we get our resources. So we mm-hmm. like, you know, have a fun life. And, you know, one thing I'll say too is like when I was in my 20s, like I had like, you know, a lot, a lot of us, like we had credit card debt, um, not a lot of money and all this stuff. And I was like, man, how am I ever going to like, like buy a house? Like mm-hmm. how's that even going to ever happen? Um, but I think that again, if you just are focused on working or making your own like product, that's like, needed for the world that like you know people need for whatever it is and it's a good product you know that's a lot of work in itself and like once you start doing it figure out how you know move the needle for that that company um you know you're just that's fulfilling like you're like yeah i had this money because i worked hard like people like oh i worked hard like no you actually like had a plan you're strategic and you went and accomplished it and now you have this like reward and you know when i was like poor like that like you know it was stressful. I wouldn't sleep at night, like at all. And I was just like, man, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, like, car that just got broken down or whatever. But then when you hit a point where you have, like, a cushion now, it's like, I, like I'm sleeping, like, way better, you know? My, my, my stresses are a little different. It's just more mm-hmm. for, like, pressure or whatever. But um, I think, like, hitting those goals and it doesn't happen overnight, like, that brings a lot of, like, satisfaction to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you start to, like, really value your life a lot more, I think. And then, like, you know, friends along the way. Like, you know, I've made so many friends uh, through work. They're, like, lifelong friends. You, like, understand about their family. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing things outside of work with them. But then just even your friends that you choose that you make outside mm-hmm. of work. Like, you know, I'm all about if people need to go just, like, you know, a therapist or everything. Like, for sure, go do that. But, like, you know, having a beer with a friend and telling them your problems. Like, that's therapy. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. the, that's the old school way. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just an open person. I'm like, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell my friends, like, going through this, I'm doing that. And, like, you also want to surround yourself by good people. Yeah. Like, I, I never, like, I always thought, like, in the Seattle area, I always met, like, pretty pretty good people. Like, there's certain people you can tell, like, all they want to do is party. That's, like, what they live for. Like, we all like having fun. But, like, we all, like, have that mission during the week. So, like, you know, you got to choose your people very strategically. And, like, you know, like, is this person a good fit in my life mm-hmm. like, yeah. they bring in you know a lot of good advice um are they do they have my back do they mm-hmm. actually care about me but you know you're investing in each other you know it's not yeah. a one-way street and like when you build those relationships like dude that's when life starts getting fun mm-hmm. you know so it's like you know and you start bringing value to people's life and um in terms of like the advice you're getting you're giving and uh you know like you know people say like how do you know the impact you have on the world it's like you know having people at your funeral like you want to have that impact on people's life and i think it's just like the grind and then like you know those moments of opening up to people and creating relationships uh is like how you can have a fulfilling life you know Mm -hmm. and doing things on a screen or or playing a computer game or being on instagram and being fake as hell like (laughs) dude you're you're like sad for a reason and the thing is like you can wake up tomorrow and change that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you have to be doing that forever. It's like, I saw something the other day where 
it was like some like infograph. I love graphs on like economics and whatnot, but this is like, here's what people's life looks like on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And like, here's like how it actually is. And it was like some blocks and it was like one block for how it actually is. Like they, they, you see one moment of their life on Instagram, mm -hmm. but then that's like two minutes of their day. And there's like however many more minutes in a day, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that you're not seeing. That's probably not awesome, but we're all like getting jealous. Maybe like, that's why right. I, I have a 15 minute thing on Instagram, like a 15 minute timer, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm allowed on there. And like, do I get like good workouts, some good, like, a, like, like, you know, um, business stuff. I accounts I follow, like you want to keep up with your friends, see how they're doing. Mm -hmm. But like, I think more than 15 minutes, this is like, you're just wasting your time and you're kind of hurting your psyche, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's it. Like, you know, lay off the social media, you know, Every hour, you know, it's okay to like take a break. I, I take a nap a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, it helps me a lot. But, you know, you got to use your time wisely. And you're going to have days that you're not feeling it. And that's okay. Because like if you have, you know, 20 of those days in a year, you're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that that's it, man. Investing in relationships and, you know, working hard and adding to society. And like just that'll kind of like just take your life and like it's such a positive direction. Then, you know, one thing I realized too was that I was just going to work a lot for a while and like going to the gym, like finding like some cool hobby, whether it's like fishing was what I kind of started getting into. Now I'm about to start getting into hunting and whatnot. I got, got you know, I like golf a lot, but like having something that like is outside of all that, stuff, although all the yeah. work and the, and the daily monotony is just like, yeah, you have to find something that's just like kind of a fun thing you do. And you make more friends that way. I think mm -hmm. it's all about making friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah build so. that community. Yeah. So. So how are you going to, how are you growing that out? Like what's your next thing? Like in the, the life of Colin Lowry. Yeah, man. What is so, the next thing the next that we thing, can look forward to? Yeah. Um, it's not going to be exciting for anyone in Seattle, but uh, <laughs> so really like um, my whole thing now is like, okay, I've done all this stuff in the corporate world. I've been working for other people, obviously like, I need to go do my own thing, but people get, especially the people in tech, like a woman invent in the tech world, that's going to like make me money or, you know, whatever. I'm like, man, like tech to me, it's like, I'm not like this engineer, like a uh, software engineer. I don't know like all this code, you know? Yeah. I can partner with someone and do that, but I'm like, I kind of want to get away from tech mm -hmm. and uh, reading this uh, book. Uh, it's called like the end of globalization uh, as we know it just came out like food production uh, manufacturing, like it's all like could be more important than ever. And it's not going to be that globalized. Like we can't depend on China for every little thing that we want to make anymore. Like their population is diminishing. There's the trade issues and whatnot. Um, but I'm trying to find something that I can start making money now to go bootstrap into like those kind of things. And so you're going to laugh, but car washes, uh there's no car washes in texas and think about it, there's all this what? there's all this sun all the time so yeah. people like care about their car mm -hmm. like like where it looks like more there than here and all they have are these like car washes that people run out and like hand wash your car you're there for an hour it's like 55 dollars. i'm like dude i want to pay my 15 bucks and run through a car yeah. wash yeah and all the ones there are either broken down or like a chevron's one that does a terrible <laughs> job so I'm I'm trying uh working with a company called Oasis Car Wash to like start a car wash on this particular highway by my house. And then if once that's successful, it's like there's a bunch of other spots. That's so like yeah. yeah, and like the ROI on car washes is surprising. But it's like, hey, 
it's pretty like straightforward. Like you have these other companies that come and do all the maintenance and mm -hmm. chemical disposure and all that. But yeah, I'm like, this is pretty straightforward. I actually need to buy land, work with these companies to build this car wash, advertise, you know, make sure no one's, you know, I have workers and are cleaning up. But like, yeah, I mean, it's like the simple things. And it's kind of also, you know, a lot of the non-sexy stuff, like, you know, right now it's like AI and whatever in tech, like, but you know, you look up some of these companies like my old one, Equinix, you know, running the whole internet. You've never heard of it, but go look at their stock, yeah. like mm -hmm. what they do. They're, they're doing really well. Um, and then another company called Crown Castle and American Tower, they own all the cell towers in the world. Wow. What? Yeah. So like, I mean, I, it's like way almost hundreds of thousands of cell towers. And basically they make these cell towers, they connect them with fiber optics and whatnot, electricity. And then they rent space on the cell towers for like all those panels you see mm -hmm. and, and like uh, um, like all the domes and whatnot, all the um, networking gear. And they, they lease that space like the Verizon, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. all, all these companies. They just like rent space on their on their tower. Yeah. But Crown Castle and American Tower have always been two stocks that Bill Gates has always been big on. It's like, again, you need you need that stuff. We need to get people call people that's how you do it yeah mm -hmm. but people have never heard of it but like it's a non-sexy stuff that makes money mm -hmm. and um you know every like you just focus on like you know like what the hot thing is like everyone else is too mm -hmm. but if you can find yeah. that one non-sexy thing and be good at it i think that's where the money's at <laughs> that's literally gonna title this this title or this is what i'm gonna title this episode yeah the non-sexy stuff makes the money it's uh, 100% true. It's man. got my wheels turning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can I come work for you when you start your thing? <laughs> it's all, dude, I, seriously. Have you guys seen that like graph by this dude on YouTube that like shows like how men should go about selecting like a wife? It's got like the zero to 10. It's like. I feel like I've seen it. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Zero to 10 of the hotness hot and then crazy. To, yeah. The hot and crazy. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you don't want to marry like a 10 because she's going to be like a 10 on the crazy. You, know, you want to find <laughs> someone that's like between seven and six and a half that's their, their craziness is a little low yeah uh, but it's like kind of like these non-sexy things like hey it's not like the sexiest woman but she's gonna bring you returns in terms of happiness and mm -hmm. longevity and like a good home and a relationship it's like we're just always going after the sexy thing that that industry or that person like their head's full yeah. like they got all this ego and uh, yeah you, you want to look for the full package definitely yeah what a way to end it, yeah, buddy. Man. This is a, this has been fun. Yeah. You brought a lot to the table. Like I appreciate all of your knowledge, like taking us through your experiences because you've done quite a bit. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Dude. yeah. I hope the listeners is a little different. You know, I love how you guys have a diverse like group that comes on here. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, today I'm gonna hear, hear about extreme sports where all I talk about firefighting. <laughs> uh, There's this dude talking about like uh corporate America. But hey, I mean, like hey. it's a big part of the world. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And a little fun fact for our listeners. Um, the whole reason why Savan and I met was actually at your going away party. I know. Yeah. yeah so I just think that's super cool. Just bringing it all back around. And so now you guys yeah. gonna get married. So you can be my second couple that have like oh. met through me. My friend <laughs> Lyle, Lyle and Kelsey, like uh, just had a kid uh, uh, and, and, and they met through me as well. But yeah, that's kind of back to that friend thing I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's just like, dude, you got to have a good people around mm -hmm. you. You know, and uh, I think that's like wealth is like positive relationships with people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All thanks to you, Colin. Uh, I try now to... I got the girlfriend of my dreams. Yeah. We you got, got podcasts. We got the podcast. Like, it's just 
just yeah there's so much that we've done together how we've met you're like on this trajectory of like getting stuff done and i feel like in your 30s it's all about implementing what you learned in your 20s your your teens and 20s like that's just going around trying to figure it out and then your 30s you're like all right time to shine Mm-hmm. Dude, that's totally what it is, man. Uh, 20s, I encourage everyone to fuck up as much as possible. You know, just <laughs> yeah. make sure you come out on the other side. And by the time you're getting out of your 20s, like you have, like you're seeing the other side, you know, of the tunnel. Like mm-hmm. you're going to come out and, and kill it. So, yeah. Dude, for this part, I'm just going to wrap it up and we can keep chatting and whatnot. Yeah. But for everybody listening, thank you for, for checking it out. Colin, thank you for being here. Thank you. Lauren. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Just bringing it all. Uh, Until next time, cheers. 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 Good stuff. That was awesome, dude. So good. That flowed good. Yeah. Yeah. That was was really good. People are going to love it. Yeah. Yeah.